0: Thank you, ladies, if you will, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Philippians, this wonderful letter that Paul has written to this wonderful little church, Philippians chapter one, and you can place your finger on verse three. We will be there and start reading in just a moment every year at this time, I love to give what I call a state of the church address. It is an address mixed in with a sermon where we take a moment to look specifically at this past year, but, but even more at the coming year, a time where we look at our church's health and we also lay out a vision for the upcoming months. It is my hope that in this address that you will be provided encouragement. And in a challenge, and this year in a challenge to invest yourself into the church, we have had several uh, titles: building a church, walking with Christ, reaching our Jerusalem, and I believe last year was increasing Christ. This year, I want to encourage you to invest in the church and the faith family. And you may say, "Well, well, why?" Why would I want to invest, or why should I invest myself even more? And I believe Spurgeon answers this by calling the local church, the gathering, the most dearest place on earth. I think I've shared this with you before, but I want to read this again. Charles Spurgeon once said in a sermon, he says, If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And at the moment I did join it, if I found one. I would have spoiled it, for it would not have been perfect, not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Beloved, there is no place on the earth that is greater, more amazing, that is dear should be dearer to your heart and soul than the local church of which your membership resides of which you have covenanted with and partnered with there is no place that i would rather to gather on a consistent basis and even when it's inconsistent even when i'm gone i still long to be with you in this place and why not was the music was the singing was you just was it not amazing this morning as we as we have sang and we have also been sung to the glory of Christ and all that he has done for us in his, through his work of salvation I pray that there's no place dearer to your heart than the assembly at First Baptist Church of Jonesboro and I believe that as we read our text now what you will find is is that the Apostle Paul would agree with us that his heart long and yearned to be with those who gathered in worship, those who he loved. Look with me here in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. This is what we read. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, I love that, always offering prayer with joy in in every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. For, if, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confer, a confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. Every year when I start the writing of the State of the Church Address, I put at the top what day it is for me the first sermon that i ever preached here was was titled it begins and it was first corinthians chapter one and there it has at the top of the sermon day one and i remember going home and i and i even wrote this down and i even shared it with you i remember going home and asking my children i said okay children what was your what did you think of the new church what did you think about First Baptist Church of Jonesboro and my son in great love and great humor said, I really love the church, but I ain't very sure about that new pastor of theirs. <laughs> I hope after five years that his heart and your heart has changed I stand before you today on day one thousand nine hundred and sixty one as your pastor of First Baptist Church of Jonesboro. And I am just I am more excited today than I have ever been. And so as I read Philippians chapter one, verse three through eleven, I understand the longing of Paul. You see, over the last three years or three Sundays, we have been in the wilderness with Jesus Christ. Looking at that Luke chapter chapter four. But today we're, we're going to move the setting a little bit. We're going to go from the wilderness and we're going to go into the prison, into a Roman jail cell. And there Paul is penning this letter and he is he is awaiting the ruling of Caesar. That's going to ultimately lead to his death. And so as he is waiting on Caesar, whether he will thinking that he may be released or he may be executed, he's in a situation that is very dire, one that would lead an average person to great despair but you wouldn't know. He writes to the church of Philippi and is so full of joy and praise of God for this church. Matter of fact, when you get to verse 21, this is what he says. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul wasn't worried. He wasn't worried about dying. He knew where he was going. He was excited about it. But notice verse 22 Notice verse 22 of chapter 1. He says, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. Yet, to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convicted of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all your progress of joy in the faith. Wow. Wow. What a compliment, FBC. Did you hear what he said? What a compliment he gave to the church of Philippi. I I know that I'm going to die. I I know at some point I'm going to die. And it is better, it is greater to die than to be with Christ and be here on earth. But my heart is torn. Because I want to be with you. Can can you imagine a a more more excellent compliment that that a person is struggling to go and be with Christ? But I want to stay with my church. I want to be with my faith family. This is when you know that the church is healthy and the church is blessed. This is when you know a church is, is working on all cylinders Because it is the dearest place on earth that though we are ready and we yearn to go and be with Christ. If I can't be in heaven, then let me be in church. And not just any church, let me be in my church. You see, I've chosen this text this morning because it speaks of the joy, the great joy that comes with investing yourself into the local church. In these nine verses that we've read, Paul describes this joy as a direct result of fellowship, that word Partnership and participation, they, they all have the same root word which translates into our English. Fellowship, partnership, to share is, in something, They have a, a common thing that we all share in. It is more than dinner on the grounds and Southern Baptist casseroles. The Greek word is koinea, meaning it is an agreement with one another, being united in purpose and serving alongside each other. It is describing something that we that we both have in common, that we both share. It's deep and it's a it's a deep and intimate invest for us. We we've invested ourselves into this. It's like marriage. Something that is two people come together and invest in and they they share in this covenant. And since we are in the fellowship with Christ, we are now to fellowship with one another, to partner with one another. And so the big idea of the verse is this, of the text that we've read, is that the fellowship and the partnership of the local church is to bring joy and worship and sanctification to the believers. We see that in Paul's prayer. We see that in Paul's praise. I chose this passage because as we enter a new church here, I want to to show you the praise and the prayer of Paul as a way to encourage you to invest in our local church. I want to to share with you some things this year that I'm praying about. That's my prayer for you, and I want you to to rise to the challenge and to invest yourself into First Baptist Church of Jonesboro more than you have ever invested yourself before. There are four things or four areas that I want to challenge you in from this text. I want you to invest yourself in the people of the church. I want to want you to invest yourself in the labor of the church. I want you to invest in the pursuit of church excellence. And then we'll close out. I want you to invest in the hope for the church. So we are going to invest in the people, the labor, the excellence, and in the hope of the church. Let's begin with the first one. There in verse 3 and 5, notice what it says 3 through 5. Paul says, I think my god in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy and every prayer for you all notice what he says in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now again paul is thanking god every time he remembers this local church he's not talking about the building he certainly is not talking about the programs and the strategies he's he, he really is not even talking about the experiences, though he has good experiences with this church. He's not really talking about those. Because a building and a program and experience cannot participate. Who participates? The people. Paul is talking about people who have participated, who have fellowshiped with him. This means the church. This means when he refers to the church, he's referring to the church members. He's referring to the people who have fellowshiped and partnered with him in, his, in the gospel In the covenant of worship. And he gets very specific in verse, um, there in verse five, when he says, in view of your participation in the gospel. Notice what he says, from the first day until now. This is a reference to Acts chapter 16. The apostle Paul will, through by vision, will end up going to Macedonia, to Philippi. And there he will be able to lead Lydia, the Philippian jailer, And the family of the jailer to the Lord. They will all be converted and baptized. And so it is Paul's joy and the praise. His joy and praise is a result of these people who have come to know Christ. And who are not just have come to know Christ. But have come to know him and and developed a relationship with him. They have become his faith family. They have become his fellow laborers. FPC can I challenge you this morning in something I want to challenge you this year that you would, like Paul, find joy in those in your faith family. To do so with such a degree that when you bring up their name and when you recall them and you think of the person, not just the experiences you had long ago, not just the experiences you had last week, but when you just think of the person that, you're, that a smile comes across your face and you rejoice and give God thanks that you are a brother and sister to this person. And truthfully, we already do this, don't we? We already do this with, you know, some of us already do this with one another. We've been invested in one another. Some of you have invested in one another for a long time. We, we even do this with those that we have lost and have gone on to be with Jesus. When I think of Doc Robertson, cannot help but smile. And I barely knew him. When I think of Mr. Larry Pardue. Ms. Barbara Pepper, who left us to go be with Christ just a few months ago. I think of Mr. Tommy Kowser, others that you knew that I did not, Ms. Claudine Kennedy, Mr. Culpepper, Mr. Bobby Culpepper, and others that you knew before I got here well. It does it not bring a smile to your face of saints that we have worshiped in this place with and loved? Do you know why that happens when you think of them and you rejoice in those people and you rejoice in people? It's because you invested and they invested in you. Because you fellowshiped with them and you shared life with them. Different investing in people of the church brings joy long after they're even gone. So as our new church here starts, I want to encourage you to be like Paul. I want you to encourage you to learn from the Apostle Paul, to find joy within the faith family. And so I'm going to give you two challenges this year that I pray that you will rise to the occasion. Number one, that you would invest yourself into the Sunday school classes. You say, why the Sunday school classes? Because these are the places where we come to truly dialogue. These are the places where we truly do the small group settings and we truly get to know one another. Inside the class and outside the class. I want to challenge you to be consistent within your Sunday school class that you would be there, that you would, that you would dialogue over the scriptures and you would pray for one another and you, you go through the sufferings and you go through the joys of life. I I want to challenge you to participate within the class by reading your lessons and preparing your heart and mind so that when you come together, you you don't feel like you're in the background and you can't add anything to, but it, it becomes a robust dialogue and you've engaged in conversation. I challenge you to participate outside the classroom where you partner up with one another. Yes, do group fellowships, but partner up one-on-one with your people within your church, within your Sunday school. Read a book together. Pray together. Go visit other people together. Invite people into the church together. But whatever you do, invest yourself in the Sunday school class because this is where you truly begin to fellowship with one another and begin to build the strong relationships that will bring great joy to you even in years to come, and even when one of you may be gone. My second challenge would be this, that you invest in friendships and mentoring. I pray that this year that what we will find is, is that many of you know one another really well because you've been attending church together for a long time together. My prayer is, as though, that as new people come in, that you will begin to go outside, even outside your Sunday school class, and begin to invest in people, get to befriend people who you barely know. You need to realize there are people who are coming into our church. We've seen 10 this year come in who are coming into our church looking for friendships, looking for a faith family. FBC, it is our job to go and befriend them. Make intentional efforts to, to be present and to listen. Take them out to lunch, call, text, hospitality, and even mentor. This doesn't mean you're training them to be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. It may just be that you're helping them through things such as how to handle finances, how to, how to work on a fence, I, I don't know, how to fix things. And if you're looking for somebody to show, if you want to, somebody you can mentor on how to fix things, I, I'm, you know, I'm not very good at that. But just find someone that you, that you can just, an older person pouring into a younger person. If there is one thing this year that I think that it would be extremely important that we will find great joy in, is that we would learn to invest into the people of our church to get to truly know and partner with one another together. But the second thing that I want to challenge you this morning is this. I want to challenge you, and I want you to invest in the labor of the church. Notice verse 7. We'll come back to verse 6 in a moment, but notice verse 7. He says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Notice again that word partakers. It's got the same root word as the those who participated. But it's a little stronger. It's very close. Uh, very deep. Very intimate. N.T. Wright said it this way. He says that when someone was placed in prison. The person ran the risk of going without food. And so therefore, they couldn't count on Rome and the guards and the city jailers and things like that to take care of them. And so therefore, their loved ones, their friends, would have to take care, would have to make sure that they had food to eat, that they would survive. Sadly, we know through the writings of Paul that there were many who abandoned him. There were those who were with him and they left, and, and we know that this left a mark on Paul. This hurt. But not the Philippians. And not others. But not the Philippians. The small, very new church. Very insignificant in size to other churches. Very insignificant in their effectiveness, maybe. A church that the world would look at, or that the church, Christian world, American Christian culture would look at, and go, that's a really small church insignificant church they never stopped investing in the labor of the apostle paul and laboring in the ministry with paul and for paul they faithfully invested themselves to support him to encourage him to give to his needs and not only that to labor with him though they though he may not be present we are going to labor paul labor and gospel ministry for you and with you for christ with you they were very selfless and they were very sacrificially invested in him beloved did christ himself not tell us that the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest and send out laborers into the harvest did Christ not command us with a Great Commission that we are to go into all the world discipling, baptizing? Did He not tell us to, 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 to go and to, and to give and to care for those who are in need, to take the Gospel to those who are dying, who are lost? The Philippians were a small church, but they participated as great laborers in the Gospel ministry with the Apostle Paul. see if I can encourage you in anything this upcoming year, it would be this, that you would invest yourself in the labor of the church. To participate in the field of church labor, no matter what it may be, no matter how insignificant you may think that the chore is, no matter, no matter how big or difficult you may think, don't let anything turn you away. I have a confident hope, dear friends, that God is going to bring a great harvest And I hope that you would have this as well. But understand, though we know that God is sovereign and we know God is doing great things, he calls us to willingly to choose to go out and to labor and be a part of the work. You need to be participants in this year. And you say, Brother Brian, what areas do this year is important for us to invest in? What labor do we need to set our sights on? As you've heard us talk about the ministry teams, uh, as I said, our ministry orientation night went so well. Again, I, I'm just so thankful for Brother Trey and how he organized that. And Every ministry team needs to function. I don't think you understand that how when, when the ministry teams are not functioning, that means there are cylinders that are not functioning. So for those of you who understand that, you know, who work at the mill, when, when one cylinder is not functioning or when something blows a gasket, what happens to the rest of the machine? It, it it starts to foul up. It starts to slow down. There, there's a lot of ministry, and there's a lot of people trying to do ministry. And there's a lot of things within our church, administrative things and other stuff, that just needs to be done that takes away from the, the teachings and the and the counselings and all of that. You don't understand, I think, sometimes how important your ministry team is. It is greatly important. You are participating in the labor of gospel ministry, the labor of the church. So this is the reason why we are dedicating one Sunday night a month to ministry teams, because we understand the pull of your life. We understand how busy life is. We understand how, how hard it is to have to add extra things to your life. And so we want to add one Sunday night a month where you are able to meet with your team or teams that you may accomplish the work of the church, that for you to be intentionally focused so that others can be intentionally focused in the preaching, teaching, discipling, and counseling. Well, beloved, these teams are important. If you were on a team, take, make it important. And know this, and I, I have to tell you, and Brother Trey said this the other day, I thought this was really good as me and we're talking. There's probably no other church that you will ever go to where you, if you were to come to us and go, I am just miserable doing this. I, I, this work is hard. That we will, we'll go, okay, don't just, all right, then let us help you. Let us take that burden and we'll help you find a place. We'll either help you find rest or we'll help you find a place where you can serve. Don't kill yourself. Don't let it be a burden to you. We will help you with that. But our ministry teams must function. Labor with your team that you're on. Come together. Meet consistently. Dialogue. Pray. Not only that, you must know that there are places to serve, lead, and teach. We need a Bible drill leader for our children. We need our Sunday school classes to have rotation leaders. Our RAs and and GAs other places, they give them rotation leaders so that we don't burden them so much. We need more prayer warriors in the prayer room. Many slots there. I, I told Brother Trey the other day. I said I haven't seen as many come in here lately. So joy just to see people pulling over that parking lot all during the week. Why? To come and pray. I would also tell you that one labor that we must focus on, and that we must, I would say, even increase this year. The reaching of our Jerusalem. I understand that this is a hard labor and this may be the hardest one ahead of us but this is our mission field. Jonesboro, Louisiana is the mission field that God has placed you. You cannot deny it because the, the church sits in the middle of it. This is our mission field. And so we must join together for the labor. This means that, that we must pray that God will save many. And we must invite and go out and, and and to those that we love and those who are, who, are, who are lost, begin sharing the gospel with them and having them in our homes and partnering with one another in small groups for prayer meetings over those that we love, over those that we're trying to lead, going out and making those visitations. This is a wonderful opportunity for Sunday school classes, wonderful opportunity for you to partner up with one another and to go into the homes and into the places and have people into your home. You are the laborers. There, there's a grand harvest out there. And this is a labor that we must participate in as a church. And I would even, even I would even add to this that we would even see that we would give joyfully and faithfully to the church and to the work of the church, just as the church of Philippi gave. I totally understand that we are living in a time of financial scariness in our day. But dear friends, please know that we as a church must be good stewards of even all that is given and used wisely for the ministry of the gospel. And these are just several things that I have prayed about and I think that are important for our church. And I bring for you this morning that these are areas in which you and I can come together and invest in the labor and the work for the glory of Christ. Notice thirdly, verse 9 to invest in the pursuit of church excellence. He says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge, in all discernment, so that you may approve of the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. You see, after Paul has been praising God and giving thanks to God for this local church, he now looks and begins to pray for them. Brothers and sisters, do you pray for one another? If not, you should. To wake up in the morning, and I understand, to be able to go through the list, to be able to think of everybody, but to at least begin to pray, at least in general as a whole for the church, and then even specifically... You say, well, what did he pray for? Well, time's sake, I'm just going to sum this up. He prays that their love may abound, their love for God and love for one another, but also their knowledge and understanding. This is spiritual growth. So so Paul is praying for their sanctification. So for time's sake, I just want to sum that up. He's praying for their sanctification in in love and in the knowledge of Christ. But But I want you to notice verse 10. Why is he praying for this? Why is he praying that they grow in these areas? Notice verse 10. That you may approve of the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. What does he mean by that? To approve of the things that are excellent. We we understand the last part of the verse that, that, that whatever he's asking us to do, whatever he's asking us to invest in, is so that when we stand before Christ... We as a church are blameless. That we as a church can, 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 can see the joy of our Savior, the joy and the approval of our Savior that we, have, that we have done well. Good job, faithful servant. So what does he mean by approve of the things that are after? The Lord approve means to test. It means to evaluate something correctly. It was used in ancient times of testing gold to see how pure the gold was. You may look at it today, the, the issue of testing money to see if it's counterfeit. So you would take the dollar bill and you would, you would take it and you would look at it, examine it, however they examine them nowadays, and you would discover, oh, well, this is counterfeit. It looks like $100, but it's really not $100. But then over here you have this crumbled up dollar, this dirty dollar, you know, $100, or even a dollar. It's not counterfeit. In appearance, the $100 bill looks greater than the $1 bill. But it is, at the end of the day, it is the one dollar bill that is excellent, that is pure, that is right, and the other is counterfeit. Paul prayed that the church would be able to continually test, through their own sanctification, continually test things for the purpose of approving and ultimately practicing that which was morally and ethically superior. To have the ability to examine and to recognize what is truly right. What is truly excellent and what is not. What is going to please God that on the day that I stand before him. We as a church can say we were never counterfeit Lord. We were never counterfeit. That word excellent in the Greek it means different. Superior in its way. It's, It's different but it's different in a superior way. It may not look as good as the other, it may not be as big as the other, it may not be what everyone is wanting and what everyone has, but at the end of the day, it is superior, it is excellent. You see, FBC. not everyone in our day, not every church practices things of excellence. They practice things that are excellent in their own eyes, They practice things of excellence that that the world would deem that is excellent. But God has given us a command in how we are to worship, how we are to function as a church. God has, has shown us in the Scriptures that which He says is excellent, which is different, which is sanctified, which is holy, which is set apart from the world. Those things that will bring Him glory and pleasure. And even though... The vast majority may like the counterfeit. You and I must invest in that which is real. We must invest in the pursuit of excellence. The things that truly matter. You say, Brother Brian, what things are I to invest in? In the four years, there is the core values of the church. Biblical fidelity, God-honoring worship, determined discipleship and so forth. These are things of excellence. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there because we've talked about these, but know that those are the things that we value most. We are a church that wants to be faithful in the preaching and the teaching of the Word, as accurate and as faithful as we can be. And we want to be people who honor God with our worship services, not just in what we do, but how we do it as well. Brother Trey is teaching on that right now on Sunday nights. But friend, if I could say to you this morning that one of the things that I believe with all my heart that we need to be practicing an FBC of excellence is a revitalization of the church membership. Because if you go and you look at the church membership, there's over 1,000 people on roll. We've been talking about this. We've been, we've been talking and discussing it for over a year now on Sunday night. We've had great discussions, and I, I have to tell you that I, one of my greatest joys, Randy, was you, brother. It's summer camp, talking to a whole other church, and them sharing with with, with Randy that they've done the same thing, and then the, seeing the joy of Randy and saying, well, we're doing it. We're going in that direction, and seeing the, the blessing of a revitalized membership, having a membership that truly reflects the, the active worship. So friends, we are seeking to be that type of church, and so... I want you to know that soon we will be presenting a plan describing the steps that that we will take over the next five years to do this. And we want to ask you to pray with us. We want to ask you to call your family members and your friends and your neighbors who are on the church rolls. Begin to call them and invite them and say, we want you to come and worship. And if they're going somewhere else, good, that's great, fine. But let us know and and, and even talk to them and say, you're still on the member on our roll. Encourage them to move their membership if they have been faithfully at another church. And maybe they have and they just didn't know it. But I do believe that this is a thing of excellence and one that God will be very pleased with. Invest in this mission. Invest in the journey, the pursuit of a revitalized church membership in the next five years. And secondly, one that I am very excited about the training and preparing of men over the next 12 months that we may ordain two or three more deacons. We've been talking about this in our deacons meeting. We are seeking to ordain two to three more deacons in the next year. And so we are asking the church to begin praying about who this would be. We, and not just asking, not just praying, but about you, you and the deacon body, me and Trey. We are searching and we are looking. We are looking for the men who faithfully serve the church without even being asked. Men who are men of quality, men of character, men who are faithful, and, and, and not only in the church, but in the home. And we're, we're looking to take these men and to work with these men over the, next, over the next several months and to see them ordained, become servants of our local church. Because the Bible speaks of godly men leading the church. And so we are looking for men who exemplify this This is things of excellence. So be praying about this FBC and be looking. This is not a popularity contest. This is not men that that are just good at the outside world. These are men who are faithful, who serve without even being asked, and they serve without complaint. They serve with joy, and they have a character that reflects that of Scripture. But in closing, I want you to notice the last thing that I want you to invest in. I want you to invest in the hope for the church's future. You may say to yourself, what hope is there? How can we accomplish all that you have said? How, how, how can we who are church, we have to be honest with ourselves, we are an aging congregation in a de- town that is declining. A town that is struggling. And, and we are dealing with a culture today that is very apathetic and even in our community where spiritual deception runs rampant, how, how Brother Brian, can we revitalize our church? How, how can we accomplish all of these things and hope to have a church that is running on all cylinders and is the dearest place on earth in the years to come? I skip verse 6. For I am confident in this very thing, that He, not you, he as capital H. He, God who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. How? What hope does any church have today? What hope does any church have today of being a vibrant, healthy church? God? What hope do you have of being sanctified and being a godly man, a godly woman in this world? God. And so we as a church must stop looking at all of the problems and stop looking at all the things that, that maybe are not being done right and all the obstacles that we have for us. And we as a church must invest ourselves in the promise and in the power of Christ that he who started a good work in us will bring it to completion. He will bring it to his intended goal right here in Jonesboro, Louisiana, right here in this very building with these very people god is our hope and paul is confident of this because he knows that the god who saved lydia and god who saved the jailer the god who saved the jailer's family would carry this out to completion and he is confident so we must be confident of ourselves not in ourselves but in christ who not only founded this church, but who has brought us all together and who let some raggedy, wretched little boy from Calvin, Louisiana, to come into, and you, let me be a part of your faith family. And then also the guy from Winfield. Well, know what's worse. Winfield, Calvin. Calvin. God brought us together. God brought us together. He did this. And he will bring it to completion. But you must invest. As my wife says, we are not allowed to sit on our blessed assurance. Notice I gave her the credit for that one. You are called to invest. Not in God. Not just God but in the bride. And dear friends, you've been covenanted with this bride. And he's going to bring it to completion. So as the new year starts for our church, I call you to invest in the hope, in the promise, and in the power of Christ. Rely on him to accomplish what he has started. No matter how high the hill is that we have to climb or how difficult it may seem, This we are confident of. That he who began a good work in First Baptist Church of Jonesboro will bring it to completion. I challenge you, my pastor challenged you this morning. Invest in the people of the church. Invest in the church labor. And invest in church excellence. And I say to those of you who may not be part of the church, hear me. Jesus Christ died for you. Gave his life for you to cover your sins that you may be forgiven. He rose from the grave that you may have life. Not only that he may forgive you. Not only that he may give you an inheritance in heaven. But that he may give you a faith family. It's called the local church. So give your life to Christ. Believe upon him and be saved. And then come and know the bride of Christ. And invest yourself in it with all that you have. Let's pray.